Could it possibly belong to a Pleistocene man? Well, the chances are much greater that that hand belonged to an amphibian, Mark. One that spent a great deal of time in the water. Well, then how do you account for the structure of the fingers? Obviously for land use. What do you think, Dr. Matos? Okay, Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies, but specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 201. And my guest this week from That Was Great, Wasn't It? And The Monster Hunters, it's Keith. Keith, how you doing? Hey, hello, hello. How are you tonight, sir? Hello. I am doing okay. Now, we are talking about a classic movie, a movie from 1954 called The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, yes. I had not seen this before. I knew of it. I knew I'd seen clips of it, but I had never seen the movie itself. It was one of the few universal monster movies I hadn't. You also hadn't seen it, correct? Yeah, and I was just worried that, uh, it, okay, so the rule is at least one of us had to have not seen it, but it's fine if neither right. of us saw it also. Correct, yep. Uh, yeah, um, I, so we talk about these a lot over on the Monster Hunters because it's it ties in directly a lot of stuff to the monsters. And my co-hosts there have, They've watched all of the Universal Monster movies like recently, and they were okay. talking about this one one day, and I was like, oh, okay. And I'm mostly, I'm like, I've seen these, sure, but I can't tell you when the last time I did. It was probably when sure. I was like six. Uh, no, I don't think I've ever seen this movie before either. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, just recently on uh, another podcast that I do called Gore, which is all horror movies, we did The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen Frankenstein uh, a few times. I've seen Dracula. Um, but for some reason, this was one that I hadn't, and I knew of it. I've seen, I mean, you, the creature is everywhere, um, but the movie itself I hadn't, so I was very curious to see it. So first question i got to ask you is, after watching it mm-hmm. uh, for the first time, what do you think as just a movie? So I, I have some friends that, when I, one friend in particular that when we talk about movies, they ask me how I thought, he's always waiting for me to tell him if it was too long or not. And <laughs> I'm always like, well, it's, a, it's an hour and 30-minute movie. That should be perfect. This movie actually probably could be a little bit shorter. Uh, they they have some stuff they could tighten up, but overall, not horrible. Like it's it's kind of right exactly what you expect. I I don't think it's nearly. Um, I don't know if it really falls in. It's it's a creature, so I, it doesn't seem like Frankenstein or like Wolfman or Dracula type monster to me. Mm-hmm. But it's because it, I for some reason to me it almost leans a little more sci fi to some extent. Yeah. Yep, and I don't know if that's just um, because they have some like modern day scientists involved going around looking for stuff, or how the whole opening, where they like <laughs> count down like from the Big Bang all the way to that opening was great. Like it was a mixture of creationism and evolution, and it felt like a like a nineteen fifties era documentary that you would watch in grade school. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, because uh, I I almost thought like when the guys. The, the voiceovers going over it, I thought it was eventually going to pan out and like somebody was going to be teaching a class. Yeah. Yeah, it has exactly that feel, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and um, then somebody comes in and interrupts them and they're like, we got to go find the Ark of the Covenant. And, <laughs> you know, it yeah. almost... I, there's a, there's at least one part in there where I was like, oh, man, I actually kind of want to see Indiana Jones and the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> like, that seems like a fun, like, crossover there of... Uh, 
you know, of, of him going around like, cause they, they are kind of like archeologists going to look for stuff and, and, um, yeah, there's a bit of that in there, isn't there? Yeah. And, and um, that's how they, that's, you know, after the whole science update that you get, that's kind of how things kick off. <laughs> it, it's funny that you say the movie could have been a little bit shorter. Um, and I, I would say if I had overall, I enjoyed this movie, but I think if I had a, a criticism, it's that the pacing is just a little, it drags in parts and in other parts, it kind of almost moves too quickly. Um, but, but I think it's only I an think, hour and 19 minutes. So it's not even parts, an hour and a half. Uh, it's not even an hour and a half? Well, no, it's an hour and 19 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So I think the parts where it drags, and if you're going to agree with me, is is when they're underwater for like long lengths of time. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's like the selling point of the movie is, hey, look at all this like underwater video stuff we're doing. Yeah, because that that was incredibly impressive, the amount of underwater footage, mm-hmm. how good it looked. Now, here's a, a really cool fact uh, that I read, and I didn't think about it until I read this, and I'm curious what you're, how you're going to react to this. So Rico Browning was the um, stuntman that played the creature when he was in the water, mm-hmm. and they had a different stuntman that played him when he was on land. Rico Browning had to hold his breath for up to four minutes at a time while filming as the Gill Man because the director's mm-hmm. logic was the air would have to move through his gills so there wouldn't be air bubbles coming out of his mouth or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, they're right. that's right. There were no air bubbles from the creature. Like, not really. There was a couple times where maybe one would escape the suit or something like that. But they're coming, but overall, out, but they're coming off the sides and yeah, you know, the way that they had that set up. So it's like, and they didn't have, that suit wasn't built with an air uh, tank in it or any way for him to breathe. So he just had to hold his breath for like four minutes while they would film that. I read that and I'm like, hat tip to that guy for taking that one for the team because that couldn't have been easy in that suit underwater in those, you know, the tanks. And and the, a lot of that stuff too was shot in Florida. Um, the other yes. funny thing I found was that the two stuntmen didn't meet each other for like 20 years because they shot all the underwater stuff in Florida and all the on land stuff in California. And so the two stunt guys just never met each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, but I, I did some research a, for this uh, one for yeah. one of the, like our little uh, deep dives on the monster hunters. We actually because um, there, there's an episode where the creature shows up. Uh, yeah, and when he's there in that episode, like it's uh, so we did like a little bit of a deep dive into that character. And yet, not only did they have to hold the breath for four minutes and stuff, but and you can see it when when you get the close ups of the creature. Uh, it, he also they have like. They're not like eyes that you can really see very well out of. Yeah. So not like blind could, in that thing. could not breathe and could not, um, it, you know, had to hold their breath as long as they could and could also not see very well underwater inside of a suit with like a, you know, very tight fitting plastic head as well. And it seemed very claustrophobic. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting claustrophobic yeah. just thinking about that. Like it's crazy. And I, I knew that they couldn't see and it, that's, Overall, the creature design I like, but the eyes are a thing. I, I kind of want to get to the creature in a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, Rico Browning? I found that. Uh, he yeah. also created Flipper. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, that I didn't know. That's really cool. Created, wrote, and directed 37 episodes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just that, that pacing. So that hour and 19-minute movie does feel long, and... 
it's sort of like, well, okay, what do you cut? What do you, what, how do you structure it a little bit differently? I think there could have been, there's, who knows? There's a, there's a bunch of different things you could have done here and there, but you're right. The underwater stuff is where it kind of drags a little bit, but then at the same time, like kind of need that. It's sort of, yeah, it's, it's hard to get around. It's hard to get around that part. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and needing that there mostly also because I mean, I'm not sure, um, I have to look up, I guess, all the other movies at that time. Like, how many movies are doing a lot of, like, underwater swimming scenes and stuff like that, uh, like that much of it? I can't um, think of many off the top of my head that were, that were doing, especially not in the early 50s. Like, this came out in 54, so. Yeah, so to me, it, it felt like they were, like, trying to show off also, like, hey, look at this thing we're doing. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you saying that it felt very sci-fi to you makes perfect sense. The uh, director, Jack Arnold, was actually, um, he's a sci-fi director. A lot a lot of his stuff was sci-fi. Previous that, it came from outer space and um, movies like that. In fact, it came from outer space. Jack Arnold directed that, who directed this. Um, Richard Carlson was in that, who was Dr. David Reed in this. And uh, the producer of, Creature from the Black Lagoon was also the producer of It Came From Outer Space. So they had already worked together on a sci-fi thing pri- prior. Um, and yeah, I did get that same kind of sci-fi feel, but then it also felt very, it had horror, out, like that scene where the creature, the first time we see the creature, when it comes out of the water and attacks the camp, mm-hmm. um, you that felt see like it right very away. much like a horror. Yeah. yeah, You only see an arm come through. Mm-hmm. That that had a lot of horror uh, feel to it, kind of monster monster horror creature feature um, yeah. thing going on. Um, a lot which, of uh, a lot of the scene where um, uh, you know, the, the young lady goes swimming, and it's almost like mirroring her underneath. Yep, getting close every single time. So yeah, I, I see how it fits perfectly into like Universal's monster type things, but it's also. And and again, I think maybe because it's set in like much more modern time than like a Dracula or Frankenstein or Wolfman mm-hmm. um, type feel that it, that you're like okay, this is a bit sci-fi, kind of like a like Alien, where like you see it, you know, you see a whole bunch of stuff, but you don't see the alien for like a long time, stuff like that. Uh, and you kind you kind of get that for a while in this one. In fact, I was kind of surprised when they showed when they showed the Gill Man like early on underneath the water, like kind of pop up for a second. So you got like a view of him, but he didn't do anything to anybody at that point. Right. That was actually something that I had sort of, I guess, assumed because that's just kind of how you do creature uh, movies is you don't show your creature for a while. And honestly, that kind of really comes from jaws. So it makes sense that they wouldn't have been doing it here, but like, that's what my assumption was. Is like, oh, we're not going to really see the creature till like the third act. Yeah, and we're going to see that recycled video footage of the hand coming up over the muddy <laughs> side and then dragging back in like multiple times. Yeah, but no, they went full on. They're just like, here's our creature, man. Take a mm-hmm. look at it. Yeah, and uh, and they were proud of that suit. And honestly, I like the creature design overall. Um, I think it's clearly it's iconic. It's been around forever. Um, it is silly looking, but at the same time, if I put myself sort of into the the mindset of somebody in 1954 going to the movie it's creepy like it's it's weird looking and it's odd it's very uncanny valley right like it's humanoid but it's not human Mm -hmm. so and also like so the most things that everyone remembers is 
you know, the face and the gills on the side and even like the hands that we see like right away. But -hmm. when you get to see it swimming through the water, you get that, it's got that awesome like fin across its back that moves around nicely with it. That gives it like a whole nother uh, feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. The eyes are the only thing and look, it's a limitation of what they had at the time. Mm -hmm. There was no, you couldn't, you couldn't put an animatronic, uh, like skeleton in there because there was no real way to waterproof it and work it. So they could, they didn't, they wouldn't have had radio controlled to be and certainly nothing small enough to be able to do. So they end up with these fixed eyes, which actually when me, he's underwater, they're not even like fixed eyes so much. They're, they're just blank, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And the, I think the thing for me that was interesting was like the eyes both are the weakest part of it, but also make it really eerie because they don't blink mm-hmm. you know fish fish's eyes that fish don't blink and so this creature's eyes don't blink they're just staring constantly or they're just black nothingness like when it's underwater there's all those shots where you just see it and looks like two holes i didn't even think about that until now in in talking this because like when they do have him captured later on it's just underneath the water he's got those things in mm-hmm. the like almost like marble type things that are there but anytime yeah. he's under the water in the actual lagoon thing, it is, um, which is probably all the Florida stuff. He is just in like they're just pitch black, like little holes. Yeah, I, and because it, it never even caught once to me that like, wow, wow, where's his eyeballs? Yeah, and it, but it gives you it's very unsettling, right? So it is, mm-hmm. it hits that uncanny valley of like it's it's somewhat human, but not human enough. But you're like you can kind of see where. The, the idea of the movie being that there was like an evolutionary thing that sort of hit a peak at that point and just stayed there. Yeah. Now, which is, is I this, think like that's that isn't like uh, that's one of the things that they said, because they're talking about the lungfish as well. Yeah. At some point. And uh, which is what they're kind of like really trying to research at the beginning of this. Or that, mm-hmm. that's what the, the doctor and his lady friend are, are trying to go through and do. And it's they mentioned something like that, like. You know, if the lungfish like hit a, a evolutionary roadblock and just stayed this way and has lived since then, couldn't something else have done that? Sure. And what kind of is curious, like there's some stuff, the science behind it and sort of that idea is where you could have maybe um, expanded and uh, and kind of dove in a little bit further. Now, in 1950s sci-fi, they're not going to do that. That just wasn't no. the way. Like back then it was like sci-fi, we're hand wavy, let's move on. Um yeah, nowadays you'd get like a whole thing that would show you how that first hand got trapped, right? Uh, yeah, because the they never find any other part. Maybe of how it. some of it broke off and slipped all the way into the lagoon, like the guy was mm-hmm. suggesting. Um, all leading into like, you know, or it'd be like a weird like flashback in the middle of things, um, <laughs> showing like stuff breaking off and everything, and and that's how you would get get more to that, um, and they'd go more a little bit deep into the. The stuff like I know Universal was going to try and do like a whole like Universal Monsters universe mm-hmm. um, that kind of fell flat uh, with the Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. But like, I don't know if the creature was involved with that. And I and that's the other thing I've been trying to sit there. I'm like Frankenstein, the Wolfman and Dracula and the mummy. I, like they all seem like those could all interact a lot. I don't know how well the the creature from the Black Lagoon I, outside of being made by Universal Studios doesn't like seem to like fit in directly uh with no it's yeah it's definitely like an add-on right because the 30s and 40s they had done all those other monster movies and then there was 
there was a lull in kind of theater going um, towards the, you know, kind of middle to the end of the 40s and early 50s. Theater, the people weren't going to the theaters because television. They had TV at home. And there was a, in the early 50s, they started doing a lot more 3D movies Mm -hmm. and these 3D sci-fi features. And that was the way to get people back into the theater. So that was where it came from outer space. And then this movie was uh, made to be shown 3D. Now, I I haven't figured out exactly how because it's black and white. And from everything I understand, the 3D was done with the red and white lenses. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that works with a black and white film, but I just I just don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but supposedly this was shown 3D on some, uh, some theaters. And then uh, I think there was a television broadcast or two where you could get uh, 3D glasses for home and watch it oh, that really? way. Well, that's interesting. Um, and so there were parts of this that what it's weird because when you watch it, I didn't get the sense that they shot it for 3d at all. Um, but there were definitely scenes that I was reading about that were supposed to be like the, the one death of one of the crewmen, uh, it's the crewman named Z towards the end okay. or the, one of the last ones, I think, um, the last of the crew that gets killed. He was, there was supposed to be a shot where he gets like picked up by the creature kind of over his head, almost like a pro wrestling move and thrown at the camera. Oh, that's um, cool. And that, and that was supposed to be, for, you know, that was going to be for the 3D. So it was this really cool thing. Well, <laughs> the wires kept breaking. So they'd try it, it'd break, they'd try it, it'd break. And finally the director was like, eh, just, just strangle him. We'll use that. And so that's why <laughs> that scene ends up that way. Um, and that one almost had a really, really bad accident. So there was a couple of accidents. Overall, apparently the shooting of this was great. Um, uh, Julie Adams, who played Kay, has you know said in interviews that like everyone got along, everything was cool, it was a fun set to be on. Uh, but there were a couple of accidents that happened. She got scraped up pretty bad by the cre- uh, when the creature's carrying her towards the end. Probably because it kept um, knocking it her up against the wall because he couldn't see where he was going. He couldn't see where he was going, and she was supposed to be passed out in his arms, so she's laying there with her eyes closed, yeah. and he ran her into that wall. And there's there's a great behind-the-scenes photo I saw where it's it's like her, and she's sitting there getting a, a bandage put on her head by the nurse, and you've got the director and two of the other actors and the guy in the Gilman suit all like standing around her making sure she's okay. Um, and then that fight scene with Z that ended up being where he just kind of strangles him. Um he in that same fight he comes at him with the machete mm-hmm. and he kind of hacks at him and the creature blocks it and then knocks it out of his hand and strangles him the guy in the creature suit he can't see anything so the first time they tried it he just missed the block completely oh. and that machete which wasn't sharpened but still it's a hunk of metal hit him in the side of the head <laughs> um thankfully he had the foam rubber on so yeah. like that could have gone real bad but, you know, the, like you, you think about making a movie like this and if your stuntman can't see, it doesn't matter how much you practice, things are going to happen. So it's stunt stuntmen, I don't think, get enough credit sometimes for the stuff that they do for a film because we think of like we think of the actors and sure, there's the occasional crazy person like Tom Cruise who does his own stunts, um, but like stuntmen are doing some insane things and putting their lives on the line all the time for, uh, for our entertainment. And it's, a, it's incredible what they're able to, to accomplish and just how much 
like crazier it gets every year. And of course, all the safety measures that go into it. But yeah, just thinking about like this guy nearly got cracked in the in the skull with a machete because he <laughs> couldn't see out of his Gilman suit. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. Um, He's like, well, at least but, I didn't have to stay underwater for four minutes at a time. Yeah, that's the other yeah, guy. I wasn't, I wasn't that guy. Yeah. Uh, so, you mentioned yeah. um, Julie Adams, uh, and she mm-hmm. she apparently in in interviews she's like, you know, no matter what you do, and her a, a quote from her was, no matter what you can do, you can act your heart out. But people always say, oh, Julie Adams, creature from the Black Lagoon, right? And this was somebody. I mean, Julie Adams lived to be ninety two years old, and. 92, 93 years old and acted in like 148 movies up until 2018. And, uh, and still it's like, yeah, she was from creature from the black lagoon. Like it's just, that can happen, mm-hmm. you know, but if you had, a, if she had a good time making the movie and, and she finally remembers it, like there are worse things she's remembered. So, you know, it's just I, funny that it's like, yeah, no matter what. You're, there's you're a still... few things people would remember for in that movie. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, questionable, think... questionable clothing to take on a um, Amazon River expedition. I will say that. Was it me or was she changing costumes every single scene? And she sometimes was, for no and, reason. And every single time it looked like she felt like she was just on like a normal cruise and not a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. Like she would be in, you know, like slacks and a shirt and then they would fade and come back and she's wearing shorts and a long, like the same shirt, but now it's untucked. And yeah. then she's wearing a bathing suit and she's just going for a swim because, you know, they're all, go- all the, all the sciencey huh. men are going to go down to the, on the boat. And she's like, nah, I'll go oh, for a swim. Man. So that, that scene had one thing that I kind of like laughed at uh, because I was like, oh, that's just it's the time and this is horrible but she's like you know tell me what was it like down there he's like oh it's it's like a whole nother world she's like oh i really would love to see that and he just looks at her <laughs> and he's like oh. and he turns and walks away does not this is supposed to be like you know the woman he's eventually gonna marry and stuff like that and right. he just looks at her like all right I gotta go. i'm gonna go shower gotta go <laughs> i gotta go uh i gotta go do a thing yeah i gotta, yeah, I gotta was, go hang was, out with the guys downstairs this is clearly like a movie written by men and they don't really know how to write mm. female characters. And also she's just sort of there. Which I'm which confused is because, weird I because I thought she was I thought she was a, if not a scientist, like some sort of like a lab tech or something like that, helping the other guy as well. Like I thought she somehow was like tied into the science uh world. She's or supposed was she just to be the guy. They, they mention her as having like a science background and doing research, whether it's as a research assistant or whatever, but like, cause there's, there's an attempted, but poorly executed love triangle in the movie between our main character, Dr. David Reed, Kay Lawrence and their boss, Dr. Mark Williams played by Richard Denning. Who, mm-hmm. Real quick, Richard, uh, Richard Denning did he not look like the 1950s version of a, like a taller Gary Sinise? I don't know why. I got like blonde <laughs> Gary Sinise from his face the whole movie. It was really strange. Huh. Um, but they're trying to set up a, there's like supposed to be some kind of a weird love triangle. I didn't really understand. Like David and Kay are definitely an item. And and, and I couldn't tell if like her and, is it, is it Mark? Is that what his name is? Yeah, Mark. 
did did her and Mark date previously? Because I kind of got that vibe too. I like I did, but then they... especially when he shows up with the um, uh, the harpoon gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I. It's hard to say. Like I feel like that's what they were trying to imply that they had dated previously, and now she was dating David. And that was the reason for like the, you know, David and Mark to be butting heads was they were just uh-huh. two, they were two stags circling each other. But yet they, at the beginning of the movie, at least get along well enough to work together. Like David's willing to work for this guy. Yeah. I mean, they're very excited to go about uh, doing it. Also, uh, if I may, at the beginning of the movie, when we first, when we first meet David, uh, he's underwater swimming and, and he's looking for lungfish, I guess. Yep. And um, uh, they, Kay brings that the guy who found the you know the the well preserved oh, the hand. hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she brings him out there, and then David comes up. I swear that guy immediately is like, "So, uh, what's <laughs> going on with you two? And hmm, <laughs> and yeah, he, he makes comments about how David looks coming out of the water, and mm-hmm. I'm like. And then he starts asking questions about if they're still dating. I'm like, what? What is going on here? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't and then, figure and that then out. David, fresh out the water, puts on a silk bathrobe. That's the other thing that I caught when he puts on like a silk robe, and then they hop in the boat and sail off. Um, yeah, I, I'm convinced Richard Carlson had it in his contract. He's like, I'm going to be shirtless for most of this movie. Right, oh I yeah, want, I want a silk robe or shirtless. That's it. Nothing and I, else. Like, and I need you to make sure that everyone. Takes notice of it, right? Uh, what do you mean? Everyone's everyone? gonna see. Yeah, just <laughs> when I hop out the water, please have uh, the one guy just compliment me on my figure. And <laughs> oh, that was yeah. that was great. But I just I noticed throughout the movie, like man, R- Richard Carlson is just he he refused to pack a shirt for his trip to the Amazon, <laughs> or or if um, he did, it's one that did not button and just kind of hung there. <laughs> yes, that was the other thing. And, and as soon as he had a chance to take that shirt off and dive in the water, man, he was shirtless. Um, so yeah, the, the love triangle thing was, was odd. Like you could have had the two of them not get along for the reasons that they didn't in the movie. Fine. Like the whole idea of, and I sort of, you could see that coming with the, uh, Dr. Mark being more in it for the money. Like they kind of sort of point that out early on that like he's, he's very into, uh, to marketing things. Um, but it was just kind of one of those where that could have been the conflict, right? They want to, he wants to bring the creature back and Dr. Reed wants to just study it and leave it there. We don't need the, the addition of some sort of weird romantic triangle. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, and again, because it, I mean, I guess, so it it's, is it there to try and add tension that every time they go in the water with the harpoon gun that maybe Mark is just going to like, oh, I <laughs> was, turn it on I was trying to, um, I was trying to kill the creature. Oh, I missed and I hit, uh, I hit David instead. Oops, my bad. I mean, I think maybe because I did read where Jack Arnold, the director said that he wanted to create this sense of dread in the movie. I don't think he does. I don't think there's much of a dread sense overall. But his idea was like, because the kernel, the the seed of this is, and I I was thinking this as I'm watching it, like, yeah, no, I, I when you're swimming out there and something brushes past your foot or touches your leg and you can't see in the water, like that's that mm-hmm. freaks you out. That does. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, 
uh, was I think it was Kevin James, um, comedian, had a bit about that years and years ago where he's like, I react the exact same way if my if a shark touches my foot or a piece of seaweed. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. If something touches my foot underwater, I react exactly this. And that's that's true. That's how I am. Yeah, that's how um, everyone. That's how everyone is. I mean, it's uh, and that and that they even tease that a little bit. Where like it, not really trying to grab at her, but it's like tickling at her legs a little bit. Yeah, uh, when Kay is for the first time that it kind of like fully interacts with her, mm-hmm. uh, or is swimming alongside, and then she's like, "Oh," which also just <sighs> why did you go for a swim then? I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. But okay, whatever. Like, there's there's some kind of weird thing going on here, and yet you're just dive in look around for things i mean from the sense of like they don't know that there's a weird creature yet there's no Mm, there's been no indication of that they're just trying to figure out what's going on i can get why she would be comfortable enough "Eh, i'm just gonna go for a swim although if i'm in the amazon i ain't going for a swim yeah that's Um, the other thing i was like again like she's got like this seems like a very uh nice um like cruise uh going on a cruise type bathing suit and she's just like yeah just dive right in boop, boop, boop. And i'm like I, you're on an expedition and uh what people have already told you is like a, a more dangerous part I, the captain even at one time says oh yeah they call it the black lagoon and mm-hmm. anybody who goes there never comes back and he laughs by the way uh that guy uh the uh captain oh the ship favorite thing is, in the movie he is amazing throughout the whole thing nestor uh, Nestor Paiva? 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 Paiva, yeah. I'm not sure, but Captain yep. Lucas. He's awesome. I do the whole thing. I, I wrote down, him. like, my first thing is Lucas, the captain of the Rita, is wonderful. More of him, please. And later on, I had uh, another note that was just like, hell yes, Captain Lucas, when he finally is like, we're leaving, and Doctor and Mark is like, no, we're not, and he pulls the knife and puts it right up to him, like, I'm the captain, we're leaving. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm hell like, yes. uh, like, I'm sitting there, like, uh, you're waiting for someone to be like, I'm the captain now. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, you're going to listen, do what I say. And just that knife pops out and just really kind of oh, pushes, he really was... pushes well into his, uh, into like uh, the under part of his chin without cutting anything. So I don't know how dangerous yeah. of a knife that was, but you know, it's uh, still, he's like, yeah, no, no, I'm the captain. We're going to leave right now. <laughs> yeah. He was easily my favorite thing. Like just chomping on those cigars all the mm-hmm. time. He had, his deliveries were great. And he brought a, a he brought the right amount of levity to scenes, while never feeling like a goofball. No, it was just, that's like, his personality. His big dude laughed and said like cra- something crazy, and then would just chuckle about it afterwards. <laughs> and nobody ever comes yep. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, exactly. But but he was when it, when it was time to like captain the boat, he could drive the boat. He could work the winch, like all of that. Mm-hmm. So he was never he was never portrayed as being useless. And yet he was jovial, and I loved that. Like he was just a ton of fun. So yeah, I'm, and I, I'm glad you you thought the same thing about him. Yeah, he steals pretty much every scene he's in. He's <laughs> he in really does. There. Yeah, he really does. Um, I thought it was smart too, because they were going to put both um, David and Mark in the water a lot because mm-hmm. they did. They go in and out quite a bit. I thought it was smart to have them have different tanks on since they're just wearing the the uh, aqua lungs as they called them. Mm-hmm. They weren't called scuba at that point. And um, to have, you know, Mark always wore the single tank and David always wore the double tank. And so it was easy to tell them apart in the water. And that's a smart move. That's a nice little just piece of visual. Like, 
Oh, yeah. No, we're going to be underwater a lot, and they're not going to be talking, and they're going to have masks. They're going to look exactly the same. we got to give them a different tank, because otherwise I wouldn't have known who was who. And, There's no way. And the other part of it is also, because they're going to be in the water multiple times, is so here they are. they got their multiple tanks. Now this time we're going to give them a camera, and yep. the other guy's going to take a harpoon gun in with them. And so, oh, and so, when they go in the water a second time, there's there's a difference to it. There's they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they they're not um, not necessarily. Uh, it's not the same scene exactly of just people swimming around in the water the whole time. Um, they got things that they're that they're doing. The camera's terrible. They didn't get yeah. a single shot. I I don't. Know, the flash kept going off. Uh, I know. Or the light kept one going to- off, and he only got one picture that was. I don't even know if it was of anything. It was yeah. It just looked like uh, like underwater plants. I couldn't I, tell. I, couldn't I also tell was like, was man, I I'm like, I got a GoPro. It's a nice little small thing you can put right on your wrist. <laughs> These guys are going with this giant thing that probably weighs them down underwater the whole time. Yeah, it's amazing how much how how technology has changed in in really when you think about it, a relatively short period of time. Like this is about seventy years ago, yeah, roughly. <laughs> And in 70 years, you go from something where the guy needs both hands to carry it, and who knows how much that thing weighed, to, yeah, I've got a camera that's the size of a, you know, a quarter. Yeah. Like, it's just nuts. There was a great shot, though. That second time they go in the water was, um, there was a shot where David is swimming with the camera, and he kind of goes past the camera and is swimming down. You see, you see him carrying his camera, and all his bubbles from his yes. uh, yeah, yeah, Aqualung yeah. come a- are as they're floating up towards camera, they pull the focus. So they rack the focus off of David onto the bubbles and they fill the, the frame. I was like, Oh, that's cool looking. Like that I was just, fully agree. I wow. thought that was awesome. I'm, I'm like, Oh, that, that's, but then again, I'm also like, all right guys, let's you gotta be swimming <laughs> under the water for another five minutes here. Right. Your hour and 20 minute movie. Uh, 20 minutes was of just a- swimming scene, so let's... <laughs> maybe we don't need the bubbles, but that's okay. It looks all right. I'm a sucker for when, you know, there's a cool shot framed yeah. up like that. And so, yeah, they, you know, just tighten it up. Let's uh, trim a little off of either end and you're good. But, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think, I think too, as, as creature features go, you're right, it feels more sci-fi than kind of monster movie. But I do think overall it's kind of a well-done version of that. Like... I've seen a lot of these from this era, um, whether it was watching them through Mystery Science Theater 3000 or just random Saturday afternoons on Sci-Fi Channel um, or like, uh, you know, WGN or some cable channel when I was a kid. And of the ones that I've seen, like this one, because they play it earnestly and the acting overall is decent. There is a scene where... uh, uh, what is it? Chico, I think, was the other uh, the other crew member. There was Z and Chico, and after Chico gets killed, the the acting from Z at that stage where he's like, "My brother Chico," yeah, I was like, "Ooh, man, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a little rough." Could we could we maybe run that one again? <laughs> but overall, I think the acting is it's not great. It's certainly not uh, like high art, but everybody there is doing a decent job, and. That's nice because that's where a lot of those kind of creature features can fall apart is people being way overdramatic, melodramatic, and just overacting the parts, or they have no emotion whatsoever. Like, yeah, this all felt like real people. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think the only knock that it has is that there's a repetitive factor to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so they're in the water the first time doing expedition. Then they go in the water the second time with the camera and the thing. Then they go back in again to, like, follow it, you know, and, yep. and swim after it and stuff like that. And so there's a whole nother, like, swim, 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 do, 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 you know, scene thing going on. Yeah. And so it's just like, all right, we get it. You know, when they're dropping those little poison uh, things down to knock him out. Yeah. Or, or actually Which, kill them. I don't know. But they're dropping uh, those down. You get a whole nother, like, here's the underwater. I'm like, all right, I get. Yes. Okay. <laughs> if there's a lagoon and there's water, we, we understand. We, yeah, that we was it, um, yeah. that was an actual. Yeah. So that substance they talked about, and I, I have it here, but I can't remember the name. Ro, Rotno? Roteno? Rotenon, I think. Okay. I have no idea how you pronounce it. Anyway, it's a real thing that was used. It's a naturally occurring substance and was used for exactly that purpose of fishing, where you would throw it in the water. And it basically what it does is it makes it so the fish can't um, can't breathe. The They can't get the uh, oxygen out of the water. And so they go up to the surface and start gasping for air. Oh. And so... Much so better than dynamite. Used- Yes. Yeah. Let's try to just throw um, sticks of dynamite into the water and then having all the, the fish pop up. Because that, after they do it the first time, then they do like that little transition. And you just sit there and there's just like, there's fish everywhere. And I'm like, oh, these are supposed to be like marine biologist people. I hope they think that everything's okay and that they didn't just kill a ton of fish. Well, so the that substance was actually used for fishing as well as um, a way to get rid of invasive species. Mm. It's been used before where they'll go in and they'll drop it and just basic. And the reason behind it, and I, I did a very, very cursory kind of Wikipedia style search on what this was, just so I could say whether or not it was a real thing. Um, so none of this is from any, any bit of authority, but a base, apparently what I understand is that they... It was used by, um, it was naturally occurring, so it would get used like there would be plants that would have it, and they could grind it into um, something and then put it in the water. That's how, like, you know, people would would use it before. Um, But they would use it for the fishing, but also because it uh, metabolizes out of the water fairly quickly, like in a river or a stream, it would be a matter of days, and it would be gone again, and then things could kind of go back to normal. But it would be... And in a lake, it might take a couple of weeks, but it would be used to kind of flush out an invasive species. Um, and you could also use it in different ways. Like they sprinkle it on top first, then they make like little, yep. uh, almost like little tide pods out of it and drop it in. And then later on, they use it as almost um, uh, like a normal like bug spray type thing that they make out of it. Um, yeah. Shooting the powder underwater at, at the creature in order to... I guess just slow it down or scare it off because it never seems to really knock the creature out all that bad. No, the closest it got was there is the one scene where it comes out of the water and then it sort of falls over. And so they're like, okay. And and credit to them uh, for this, I think, is taking a real thing that is used for fishing and they're like, well, how's it going to affect this thing because it's so much bigger than the other than normal fish? And they're just like, we don't know. Maybe it'll do something. Maybe it won't, but it's worth a try. And they did and it didn't. It didn't really have a huge effect, but it had enough to sort of slow it down. That's how they were able to capture it, was because it gave, basically got kind of knocked unconscious. Yeah, it, but, it knocked unconscious. It it uh, took a harpoon to the chest or the back, the first one that gets it, 
And then also it's out of the water where it can go out of the water, but apparently you know, like it seems to function much better in the water and can mm-hmm. breathe and stuff. Because it's, it's been hiding out and living in some kind of like little like cave for the most part for where who it can knows? get in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, which, so when it comes back and it steals K the second time, yeah, uh, and it die it ta- it grabs her and then it just dives overboard. Then David goes and he grabs stuff and he jumps in to swim after it. I'm like, they took a boat around to the other side once before, <laughs> like a rowboat around there. Why not go and meet the thing on the other side and like you know catch it off guard once you get there? Like that seems to be a was- much better idea than going all the way back down and through the whole little the lair where it'll be waiting for you. Yeah, although. Maybe it was because they didn't have the boat. I mean, I guess he could have just swam over. Oh, he there, does but... smash up the. It smashes the boat up at one point. That's for sure. Yeah, because he takes the little rowboat uh, and smashes it after that when they're trying to get a. Oh uh, uh, yeah, get the winch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little bit also, of that. Now the I did. Is very smart oh. too, by the way. Yes, smash up the rowboat. Uh, it it set up a blockade so they couldn't get through. mm Hmm. Um, there's a couple yeah. other little things it does here and there that you're like, this is not just a dumb beast running around either. That's the other thing. It seems to actually know what it needs to do. I don't know how many times it's had to defend itself from people coming into the lagoon. I mean, enough that by the 1950s, still nobody had ever heard of it. There was like rumor and that was it, right? Yeah. Um, but like you don't see any other downed boats or anything like like when they go underwater, you don't see any other yeah, like maybe true. capsized boats or anything that it took down or any like. Uh, like half sunken ones that have been there for a decade that just floating. Would, that would have been a cool touch, right? Like that would have been a nice little extra layer to the story of like, oh man, there's yeah. a boat down there. Or oh, like, I wonder what happened back to that in its or... little area when it goes to take her back there. Like, you know, oh, there were yes. other like pieces of wreckage or, you know, a whole bunch of other like knickknacks that it picked up and a, you know, a little singing crab comes out. <laughs> tells her what they are yeah and yeah know. i mean because she he cause has her like laid out on like some like rock and stuff like that but what was he gonna do like he didn't seem like he was like just trying to like everyone else he ran up and choked but yeah. her he was trying to keep but For like reasons, he but I mean, he had no but he had nothing there like like <laughs> what like what was he gonna do once they were you know yeah there's there's that no, was... it's a weird like little uh cove type thing that he knows how to find, and nobody else does. Also, he's got his, a very, his there's a very, there's a very easy entrance from the other side too. It's not like because the one mm-hmm. they have to go like underwater and kind of like come up out of it. The other side's like a wide opening thing, like it's behind some trees. But it, like you would think somebody found it by now. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, it's not a well hidden grotto from that side. No. Um, no. And you know we have no idea how old this thing is supposed to be. Was was there more of them, or were we, or is he kind of one of a kind? Yeah, is he um, the last of his? Is he the last of his kind at this point in time? Because which is, I think that's another reason that they're like, hey, don't kill that thing. Let's bring it back yeah. alive. Because we're like, we got a a fossilized hand of one, and then there's this one, and there doesn't seem to be any other ones floating around here. Right. Um, and it was always a from the beginning, from before they even started shooting the movie. The idea was to have the ending of it be ambiguous as far as whether the creature died or not. Oh, so yeah. So if yeah. they wanted to do sequels, they could they could do sequels. Um, oh, yeah. I which, mean, it's 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 passing out and falling into the depths, but 
you know, hey, well, you never saw the body. Yeah, no. you didn't pull the body mm-hmm. out and go, "Hey, look, look what we have here." And, and it, so there's the possibility of sequels in there. Uh, yeah. is, and, is it like Return there, of the there's Creature? There's at least two. Yeah, there's two more. There's Return of the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Son and... of the Creature of the Lagoon. <laughs> I don't remember what the third one was called. Now, Cousin um, of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, the Creature Walks Among Us. Oh, so does that mean it, it evolves? Maybe. Oh. 1956, The Creature Walks Among Us. It's a daywalker. Oh, a scientist captures the creature and turns him into an air breather, only for oh. him to escape and start killing. Turns him into an air breather and teaches him how to sing Putting on the Ritz. <laughs> I, and, I, I, I like a good uh, I like a good crossover mashup. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, mentions there. And you, you can see the influence that this movie had on other movies. Like, there's a lot of... A lot of creature from the Black Lagoon in Jaws, and once I one, now that I've seen this, I I notice it has the same um, body count. It does, which was interesting. Yeah, which is very interesting because you think like Jaws is just like you know this like murderous machine basically, um, but it only kills a hand. It only kills the same handful of people that uh, the creature does. Yeah. Yeah, and and the creature really, I mean, he kills um, the the two at the camp. Which at first um, I thought those were that guy's kids. <laughs> like I thought those of... were his sons, like working with him. And so when they find them, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And like they cut to just them like digging, and I'm like, "Wait a minute! Did they just like <laughs> blow over the fact the guy's children's died?" And I was like, "Okay, never mind. Those are just workers." But even yeah. so, like he. They're like, oh, it's been eight days of doing this. Okay, maybe they took a little time uh, to to sort it out at first. But I was like, wow, they they just skipped right over the fact that this guy's family just died, uh, <laughs> or or his close workers just died and just moved on. But yeah, so he kills uh, what the two he kills he kills Mark, he kills the four uh, camp workers basically. Yep, the camp workers, the crew of the ship, um, the Rita, and Mark. Because there's a couple crewmen, yeah. and um, and that's basically it. Uh, there was return, by the way, return of the creature, revenge. Um, the creature walks among us. So there's there's a bunch of the um, mm-hmm. kind of creature uh, creature from the Black Lagoon uh, things. Which now here was an interesting thing I read is that uh, Universal just tossed out the costume after they were done with it. Yes, and, and then uh, like a janitor, a janitor found finds it, and it <laughs> gives it to his kid as a Halloween costume. Um, and then somebody else eventually gets gets a hold of it down the line. But yeah, they were they were just going to toss it out, like. Wow. And that was, I mean, this was an era of when you think about old Hollywood, like they didn't hang on to stuff. Like there wasn't this collector's market at the time, not nearly what it is like today. But even back then, they would reuse animation cells, right? So nowadays, you uh, or not not nowadays, but like from like the sixties on you would keep those cells, right? Cause you could sell Disney would sell you, you could buy an animation. cell. they, I mean, but, Chuck okay, Jones, but if you think about it, so like in uh, like Dracula or Frankenstein or something like that, that's a lot of like, Hey, makeup got to put it on. And so there's not a real way to keep that for any yeah. of these ones, but, and maybe, maybe did they keep one of the two suits? Cause there's the out of water guy and the in water guy to where I was like, it's like a physical thing. Why not keep it? And you have it like, you know, you keep it around the, 
your universal lot, you know, in like a, Maybe, like a little thing for people but, to see. Maybe you get rid of also, one of them because you don't need it, but it's not like a it, it like of your monsters that you have. It's actually something where you can like, hey, here is the actual suit. It's not like, hey, we just true. It's not like mummy, hey, here's the, the bandages stuff wrapped, wrapped around, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, a mannequin or like the Invisible Man stuff wrapped around a mannequin. You actually have this cool suit for people to look at. So it did. I get that it's a different era and all, but I was also like, wow, that's weird that they just were like gonna throw it out. And some janitor was like, oh man, Mike. It's October 30th. I got to get my kid a costume here. Grab this. Let's <laughs> go, buddy. Found. Um, so I found this really interesting. William Allen uh, was a member of Orson Welles Mercury Theater, and he was involved in, uh, also involved in Citizen Kane. And the idea for this movie came from uh, his involvement with Citizen Kane, where he met uh, a Mexican cinematographer, Gabriel Figueroa, who told him about a legend of humanoid creatures that lived in South America. And he thought that was a cool idea. And like 10 years later started coming up with the idea for this movie based off of that conversation. Well, that's crazy. That, that to me is pretty cool. Like I heard this thing and he just, you know, it's like he probably wrote it down on a napkin and then held on to that until he could finally make something. Yeah. Or um, like, and it, and it's probably something like too, like constantly bringing up to his wife like man did, did you know there were like these things and would you stop already either write your Shut story yeah. but i'm trying to cook dinner right now <laughs> and and then also you, did you notice how this movie just sort of stops that's like, how they do that's how they do back in the day and you're right it is it, it, they would just get to the point and not even that it like doesn't have end credits because i get that they had the credits at the beginning of the movie that mm-hmm. used to be the thing up until like psycho, right? Psycho was one of the early movies to not have, or uh, no, it was post psycho. Yeah, I don't remember, but, I mean, but you basically still get, you still get the credit sequence and stuff in a lot of movies. You get like the basics of like, here's like the names of our stars, but this, and, and I was watching another movie for uh, another podcast, uh, monster hunters. We're going to be covering, uh, we're doing an episode on uh, the cat from our space. And it's, yeah, it's this big thing of where like they show you, just in like full like everything you see in the end credits basically it's thrown up in front of you at the at the very beginning like what we're used to being end credits now i guess <clears> there's no post-credit scenes back then so you didn't have to worry about going through all the credits uh at well, the well and and that was actually a thing so it used to be that that was how you did it you put all your credits up front then you'd show your movie what they found and what what changed it was sort of the opposite of what happens now where people would show up late because they mm-hmm. knew that there were credits at the beginning. And so somewhere along the line, and I, it wasn't Psycho necessarily, but there was a movie that did this where they just kind of started right into the movie. And then they put all their credits at the end. And it changed everything because now people would show up on time for their movie. And they and, probably could um, do that now because like there's 20 minutes of previews before a movie when you're in the theater. So people yeah. still could show up late now thinking that they're... Yeah, uh, I know. perfectly, perfectly <laughs> fine to get there. And I'm usually like, "Hey, let's go see. The, I want to see the previews too." Well, it's already <laughs> a two hour and forty minute movie. You really need to see those previews? I maybe not. Maybe we can run a little bit behind. Yeah, I yeah. guess I, I, I got three hours of Dune, so um, my, my bladder's fine. We'll be good. Let's uh, you know, let's get in there and, and and watch everything we possibly can, especially for the price that they're charging us. Uh, yeah, that's but yeah, true. I I also I did find it funny in the credits is like you know so like. Uh, whoever the executive producer was like his like it's all like you know decent sized font taking up like there's a whole bunch of and then produced by boom and it's just there in big big letters 
I'm like, oh, yeah, gotta know. And and that was another one too, like of that era is producers were they're they're always very powerful, and the but they they would get their names bigger in credits, uh, almost yeah. sometimes bigger than the directors. Um, the directors was but, the exact same size because they did a fade right to it, and a very like slow fade yeah. to it. It was the the fades were a little weird on that, weren't they? they I, I thought maybe it was just my uh, I thought maybe it was my internet, but no, yeah, they they did like I think two producers and then an, and then a uh, and then right to the director, and it was like eh, a little hiccupy of why didn't I just take it down, put the next one up? Yeah, we didn't need to do a fade uh, from that, but yeah, it's just it's a whole lot of stuff. Um, at least though, there was nothing going on while the mm-hmm. credits are there. Uh, yeah, know, so uh, in one of the things I'm going to bring up when I record uh, about the cat from our spaces, there's stuff going on and the credits are rolling oh. over it. Mm, there's a whole yeah, bunch of stuff about tricky. them doing things that, like they're like moving a spaceship around. So like there's actual activity going on here. And I guess maybe it's a little background activity, but you're just, you can't see anything because there's so many words on the screen at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very kind of, again, odd, not used to it. You know, and even right. I'm sure when I was young, that's how, some movies still may have been even then, like where you'd get maybe a uh, not necessarily like a Bond like theme song with like credits and stuff that pop up, but you definitely would get like that like credit like montage type thing, and then oh yeah, and then into something where now it's a lot. Of, it's just all right. Here's your movie, and we'll just have somebody's name pop up in a corner here or a corner there, mm-hmm. and 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 move on from there. Um, but yeah, it's uh. It's, those are some interesting things to see uh, and the changes and differences between movies then and now. Yeah. I will, yeah, I will say the, I was thrown off. Uh, I was thrown off when K is smoking on the boat as well. Boy, that, if that doesn't tell you it's the fifties, like everybody was smoking that one professor constantly had a pipe going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mark had a cigarette. If he wasn't in the water, he was smoking. Um, the funny thing was Ju- Julie Adams didn't smoke. And the, I, I thought it was kind of a, a, it it didn't feel like she was comfortable with it, but she sort of did it for the scene and it was only there. So she would throw that butt in the water and then you would get the, the creature reacting to her throwing something in the water. But um, I also thought, I, and yeah, I guess that that would be the main thing that was there. But I, I think I was thrown off cause I was like, I wasn't thrown off by the guy smoking. I think I was thrown off by the fact that they had a woman smoking on the boat. I mean, and, and yeah, for being a movie just, in the fifties, I was like, wow, that's huh. All right. It's something I, you know, take it for granted now in any movie but you're like hmm all right this yeah. one netflix would tell me uh mature because or, yeah. or over 14 for or whatever because there's smoking in it nothing Tobacco else use. nothing else <laughs> right um it, i also noticed like not only did the movie just end with no credits but like the story just sort of stops too like there's no real we see the creature kind of floating off and that's it like and the they sort of over. they got the thing open, you know. They got the the tree or whatever it was out the, of the tree way. out of the way. Yeah. So we know that they're moving on their way, and and yeah, and it just it's which I guess like is that it, I guess if your if your plan is hey we're gonna have this ambiguous ending because we may bring this thing back again sometime mm-hmm. uh, if we just don't throw out everything in the garbage we'll bring it back again and um and so you, you there's there's nothing really to have that I guess. Nowadays, if you would do it, you would have like it would float away, but then you would get a a thing at the end where like it, you know, that hand would come up 
one more time onto the mud at the end in like a post credit thing, and then we'd come back and say the creature will return. And right, there there would be something. There, we would get some sort of uh, um, like wrap up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even just a little bit of dialogue from everybody is sort of like, wow, that was a harrowing experience. But we're going to be like none of that. It was just like creature floats away. Hey, we can leave. All right, and cut. We're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got nothing. Um, but I think it's a fun movie uh, overall. I think it's. I understand why it got the the kind of cult status that it did, and it's it's very of its era. But I do think that its influence was big. Mm-hmm. And and I plan on watching the other uh, Universal monster movies uh, as well. I again from the time that I grew up, I'm sure it was on where I saw clips or it was in the background. I'm sure I've sat down and actually watched a few of them all the way through, but I also couldn't tell you when that was. <laughs> Like, I thought I was going to yeah. have my memory jogged around a little bit more as I watched this one. I don't think I've ever seen any bits of this movie outside of, like, a clip of, like, the monster swimming around the water. Yeah, so, that was all I had seen. Yeah, so I, yeah. I was happy to watch this, you know, and I'm, I've been trying to find... I watch a lot of other junk. I probably really easily could have watched all of these. They're all short films anyway, but uh, this is going to kind of kick off me going back through and watching some of the other Universal monster movies as well. Um so I was glad we could actually uh, do this one because it uh, kind of yeah. jumpstart me on some stuff. And it, it, it's fun because you, you have to, and obviously with all of them, you have to look at them through the lens of their era. Like this probably was pretty um, intense for some people at the time, like in the 50s. Oh, absolutely. Certainly, certainly isn't today. By today's standards, it's nothing. It was rated G in 1954. So it wasn't like it was a movie that was meant to be hmm. for adults only. Um. And the rating system was very different back then. But, uh, like, it, there's, you know, the worst you get is some strangling. So it's not horrendous, but still, it's intense. And the hands um, are really are, big. So even when he does go to, like, strangle or, like, put a hand on somebody's face, you really don't see much of what's going on. Yeah, there's no, no it's basically ever. just covered. Nope. And when he gets somebody in the face, it's just covered with a big old flipper. The music, though, there was that one musical sting that they would play all the time that was. I like I captured it because I thought it was a cool little thing. I just love this. Like that that was to let you know that the monster was there. Yep. And they used it. They used it a lot. Uh and I liked it. So <laughs> over I mean, overall I think this is a it's a movie worth watching. And in an hour and nineteen minutes, it does drag in a few spots, but it's still not that long. Like it's it's perfectly easy to watch. I, I think uh, I think modern day movies do at some point in time need to take they need to learn from the history. Like <laughs> all these movies are like an hour and twenty, hour and thirty minutes. Not everything needs to be two hours, two hours and thirty minutes. Like I'm very big on like a comedy, hour and thirty, hour and forty five. A horror, one thirty, one forty five seems to be a pretty solid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where it is as well. Action, eh, two hours. Let's go two hours max, and then an epic is anything over that. Or, or, I mean, or you're I, really building up, like uh, you know, like a Marvel like Endgame or something. It could be much longer because you've been building up with a bunch of other movies, and so this is your big oh, finale. Sure. Something like that of epic status, but like a movie like this, man. If it, nowadays, like James Cameron would get a hold of it, try to make like a two and a half hour movie, it all be in three D, and you do not need that at all. No, well, Cameron would do it just because he makes a movie like once every fifteen years now. So, mm-hmm. and it, um, yeah, and it yeah, make I, it make a billion dollars and, it's, it, <laughs> and whatever. Just but like, feed his it, ego more. And but I, I, a lot of times I'll sit there and I'll be like, 
I'll watch something. I'll be like, man. All right. More often than not, I, I, and I said I have a friend that I discuss movies with every now and then. And when we worked in an office together, we would talk about a lot more. And that, that'd be the first thing. Like It became like a running joke. You'd be like, all right, <laughs> too long, right? And I'm like, yeah, 15 minutes out, and that's a fantastic movie. And I think for me personally, and this is this is only me, and I understand, like, I get that mindset because I know a lot of people that are like, I don't want to watch anything over an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes. That's plenty long. For me, I just want the pacing to be good. I don't care how long the movie is. If the story they're telling, like the example that I like to use, again, my experience was The Green Mile. Mm -hmm. That's a three-hour movie. When I watched that movie in the theater, I went to it, I came out, and I'm like, holy crap, that movie was three hours long? It didn't feel like it because the pacing was so good that I never noticed that. Yep. Um, there's, a, so there's a handful a, of movies that are like that, that when you get done, you're yeah. like, oh, huh, all right. Yeah. I mean, even and, and if, uh, with, uh, I have some problems, I think, with like the pacing of Wakanda Forever, but I also didn't leave the theater going, oh, that was two hours and 40 minutes? That, that didn't seem that long. You know, so it wasn't horrible. Yeah. We're like, I, I just think sometimes people like are, they make, uh, there's a lot of movies that end up being good there movies, are. but if you shaved off some very unnecessary parts and especially mm -hmm. now in like the streaming and streaming world of things where like, um, like Netflix, I don't think really had, they don't have like a time limit on stuff or like Amazon prime and stuff. I, I tend to notice there's a lot of those movies that are now when they go straight to streaming and stuff like that, that people are, I think, a little, they don't go to the editing room quite as much as they probably should. And I'll watch them and be like, you know what? That, that was okay, but, <sighs> man, it really didn't need two hours and 20 minutes of this. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> hour the 45, Irishman, and this is amazing. Right. The Irishman was that for me. Like, it was fantastic. And I love Scorsese's movies. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't need to be as long as it was. Like, you could have cut some stuff out of the Irishman and trimmed that up a little bit and had it gone direct to theaters like, like his old stuff would have done, that would have happened. Um, and there's a reason why Peter Jackson cut down and had the theatrical releases of the Lord of the Rings movies, which were already long because it's such a dense book, but he didn't, he knew that in order to get people to, to enjoy these movies in a theater setting, we're going to have to pace them right. And let's cut this all, all this stuff down. Like for me, if I'm watching them by myself, I'm going to watch the extended editions because I'm a Tolkien nerd and I want all of that extra stuff. Mm -hmm. But if it's a thing where I'm going to, some friends want to get together or we want to show somebody Lord of the Rings, somebody's kids Lord of the Rings or something like that, and they're into it, I'm going to show them the theatrical one because its pacing is better and you're going to, you're going to get into that. And then later on can be like, you know, there's another version that's got some extra goodies in there, but I want that. It's all, it's all about pacing for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you, though. Comedies and horror, typically, very rarely do they need to go beyond like an hour 45, hour and 50 minutes because it's hard to maintain what a comedy or a horror movie are trying to do mm -hmm. beyond that amount of time. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, it just is. So, <clears throat> you know, but thank you for coming to our TED Talk about uh, film length. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I mean... This was fun. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Now you mentioned Monster Hunters a few times, and that's one show mm -hmm. that you're doing. That's you're kind of between between seasons on that. Yeah, we uh, we just finished up the 38 episode first season. Um, basically, right at Christmas, it's like a Christmas present to everybody. 
um, nice. uh, at least to the three of us on the show. And we're doing a couple palate cleanser episodes, and then we're gonna dive back in, and we're gonna do, we're gonna go through season two. Uh, basically, we break down every episode of that sixty-year-old TV show um, in a way that is usually better than any of the episodes actually were. Um, they can <laughs> they can be a little lengthy, uh, but they're out there. So that is that is there, and that's that's kind of the current project that I got going on. Um, the other show uh, that you've been on that was great, wasn't it? We finished up our Karate Kid episodes, uh, the Karate Kid cartoon from nineteen eighty nine. And then I'm I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I want to do for the next the next season, um, and so I'm uh, w- and working on a couple other projects. So that'll be coming back uh, at some point in the spring. But yeah, you know, right now the Monster Hunter is probably the main thing going on. Okay, very cool. Monster? Did you um did you watch the Rob Zombie Monsters movie? Yeah, it's absolute garbage. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know if you'd seen it or not. No, we. It, I, the only reason I saw it was because I'm on this other silly show. <laughs> yeah i had it no, the no, three uh, of us uh, the three of us myself derek and terry uh we have all pretty much said you know what if we weren't doing the show we would not have watched that movie and it, like wouldn't probably wouldn't even register on the radar for for us at all to watch and then uh, you get done you're just like man why didn't like gilmar del toro get a hold of this one and like <laughs> make like a cool like monsters movie uh, I just, I really just couldn't stand it. It was pretty bad. <laughs> I've I've not heard good things. So no. that that is uh, that is basically what I've been hearing is that it's hot garbage. But hey, you know, to each their own. Um, I mean, kind of what I, you expect. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I I didn't have high hopes for it as a monsters movie anyway. I liked the monsters. I have nothing against it. I thought it was a fun show, but it didn't feel like something that was needing of a revival either to me. But I mean. Hey. It, Look, a lot of people get upset that the Adams family stuff gets like revived all the time. And I could easily see the monsters getting that type of revival, but you gotta have it in the right hands. Yeah. And And you gotta have the right people in there too. It's yeah. that's the hard part, right? Is like everybody was upset with um the the casting of Gomez because for so many people it was Raul Julian. He just defined that character for them. And before that it was John Aston. And so mm-hmm. when you're doing anything with Adam's family, it's always gonna be compared to that. And like Anything with the Munsters, Herman Munster is going to get whoever it is is going to be compared to Fred Gwynn, and like you can't you can't recreate that no. without Fred Gwynn. So you have to do something else. And I, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the Munsters getting remade. I just guess I wish it could have been done better. I heard it was like a prequel, so it sort of takes place yeah. before everything went on to. So I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the romance of Herman and Lily, and that's. <laughs> I don't really, I guess I really didn't care that much. I guess I, I wanted, I would have been perfectly fine if they just dropped me right in the new world of yeah. it. Oh. Hey, who knows? Maybe 20 years from now they'll do it again. I don't know. There you go. Well, Keith, thank you so much for being on this week. This was hey, fun. Hey, absolutely, uh, man. And we got to we got to watch a, a cool movie that neither one of us had seen. So uh, that's great. Um, check out uh, Monster Hunters. Uh, and if that was great, wasn't it? Comes back. Check that out. Uh, I was on an episode of that talking about that Karate Kid cartoon. Boy, that's a that's a trip. Such a great, still, such a great series. To, to it still out. amazes me that they made that. Like it's just. <laughs> uh, but hey, it's a thing. It happened, and uh, you can you can hear about it there. That that was great, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. very cool. Now uh, this show next week, um, I have Miles from the More You Nerd coming back. We're going to be talking about a Japanese film 
he loves that I've never heard of before called Fish Story. Huh. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Creature from Black Lagoon and then Fish Story. Nifty. Yeah. That wasn't planned either. Um, so this show, to go with I do. You're supposed to say, well, we're on a uh, aqua-themed <laughs> set of movies. Yeah, I would, except the movie after that's going to be No Escape, and so I have no way to tie that together. <laughs> All right. Well, at least it wasn't Waterworld. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but yeah, uh, so I record this show live on Sundays, uh, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, and then you can get it as a podcast on Wednesdays, anywhere you get your podcasts, or go check out the newly redesigned TV's Travis.com. Um, there's also a Patreon panel or Patreon page for this show, patreon.com forward slash WYHS for as little as a dollar a show. You can support the show or support by listening and telling your friends about it. And spreading the word, um, leaving five star reviews is also helpful. Or reviews at all are helpful, but five star are nice. So, um, but yeah, next week will be Fish Story with Miles coming back from the More You Nerd. And until then, Keith, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And for everybody else, uh, enjoy your movies. Get out there and be careful when you're swimming, because whatever touched your foot could be a, a prehistoric creature. kind of fish for rocks. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>